When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 yards later. Welcome in to another episode of the 25 Yards Later Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Nick Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika. And we are two weeks through the season, and our BFF picks are in absolute shambles. Um, Trey Lance is out for the year, one of my biggest BFFs. Allen Robinson has been absolutely terrible, but in fairness, he has not been Cole Komet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had in our notes, uh, that maybe the sad piano music might start right around here, uh, for our fallen BFFs, um, you know, Trey Lance's ankle, uh, and Cole Komet, who I, I haven't seen an injury report, but it seems like he has turned into a ghost or maybe he was cut in half by a magician or something because you can't find him on the field uh maybe turned into a rabbit and he's stuck in a hat somewhere i don't know why there's all this magic stuff in my mind but he's just like he's he hasn't caught a single pass all between these two games he hasn't caught a single pass he he has more receiving yards than zeke though so you have that uh... (laughs) that is true yeah he's yeah yep he he does have more receiving yards than zeke Good thing Zeke wasn't a BFF. Yes. So, um, yeah, Cole commits zero receiving yards. I don't know what the exact number of... Two uh, targets. One each week. Well, I was going to say Zeke's negative receiving yards. Oh, I I can check that. I know he had negative four this past week. Um, But I will... uh, Yeah, I'll check that here in just a second. Uh, It's not good. It's... Yeah, it was... Let's see. Negative four last week and negative three the week before so total negative seven receiving yards negative seven receiving yards let's go you random listener have more receiving yards through two weeks than zeke does but not only do you have more receiving yards than ezekiel elliott you only have 28 fewer pass attempts than justin fields yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, really exciting uh, Bears passing offense here. Uh, 11 pass attempts for Justin Fields this past week, and he wasn't even playing in a monsoon like he was in week one. Uh, can you believe that? He had six more passing attempts in a monsoon than he did this past week. I don't, I don't know what they're Oof. thinking over there. I they just must not have any confidence in him. I don't know if like they didn't real I don't know if they just didn't realize how bad things were until like after the draft and free agency or what is happening, but averaging 14 pass attempts through 2 weeks is really not great. Um I mean, I, Flacco for the jets has 106 so far it's almost a yeah. hundred uh a full 100 more 
So, um, yeah, yeah, that's I, I, I mean, we haven't gotten into the analysis part of the show yet, but I think that outside of David Montgomery, who they just absolutely worked to death this past week, I don't think any bears are probably startable right now. Yeah. Um, uh, off the top of your head, how many receptions does Darnell Mooney have this season? I do not know this number. I'm going to guess three. You're very close. He has two. <laughs> <laughs> I would have failed Price's Right rules. Yeah. Uh, um, five targets, two catches, four receiving yards through two games. Uh, this past week, he had the exact same number of receiving yards as Zeke Elliott. Negative four. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Bears are Yikes. absolutely un a uh, borderline unrosterable outside of David Montgomery I think. Um so yeah, now that we've done weird pre or like a cold open analysis, um we're going to get into our touchback player of the week um before getting into our real analysis of the show. Um, so this week's touchback player is actually a three-way tie. I think probably the first time that we've had a three-way tie uh, since giving this award. And um, those three players were Dolphins' Jason Sanders, Ravens' kicker Justin Tucker, and Bills' kicker Tyler Bass, who all kicked six, six touchbacks. Congratulations to all of those players. For having the most kicks that made their opponents start their next drive 25 yards later. You kicked it really far. You kicked it with your feet. You're the touchback player of the week. Congratulations! Um, so, uh, Elijah, you are going to get the show started with some news. Yeah, so we already talked about Trey Lance. Uh, he left week two with a fractured ankle done for the season. The good news is that it wasn't a compound fracture like Dak's injury. Uh, so apparently that's better. Um, the team physician said he expects Trey to make a full recovery in time for the start of the 2023 season. So at least there's that. Uh, but for now, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm sure they're happy that uh, they didn't trade him away. Yes. Um, I'm sure they're very happy. I am a little worried. Do you think there's a scenario where Jimmy G plays well enough to where they decide to go on with him after this year? I think that like when it's your first year starting, like you have that rope, but if you're now moving into year three, I, I am a little worried that maybe he loses the job permanently now. I'm honestly not concerned about it since this is the last year of Jimmy G's deal and they're probably going to have to pay him as the starter if they want to keep him. Uh, and they're probably going to have to pay him more than they want to pay him when they could have Trey Lance on his rookie deal. Uh, and I don't see the 49ers being bad enough this year that they can draft another quarterback necessarily. So I would mm. expect Trey Lance probably comes back as the starter next year but definitely on a bit of a shorter leash one year further removed from his draft day and recovering from the ankle injury. He, this could be effectively 
a career ending injury. Uh, and obviously don't hope that for him. But, you know, if you think about it, he uh, rookie season didn't really play. Second yeah. year season lost to an ankle injury. Third year season comes back and is recovering from that ankle injury. Probably doesn't perform that well. Fourth year, then maybe he plays well. But then you're getting to your fifth year where after that fourth season, they have to decide on the fifth year option. Uh, and then after that, you I know, think they have to decide it after the third year, actually. For the first round, um, going first into round the pick. fourth, going into the fourth year, yeah. So it it's kind of sketchy, you know. Does he get a second contract that he would have gotten if he played well this year? It really depends on year three, but coming off the ankle injury, it's kind of risky. But I do think he will get the chance to start next year, which would be good news for your dynasty roster. <laughs> yes, my very struggling <laughs> dynasty roster. Um. And then, uh, so another player that will be absent from sidelines this week is Mike Evans, but yeah. for very different reasons. Yeah, he uh, once again got into a fight with Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, this time it was a fight that Mike Evans didn't really start on his own like he usually does. Uh, this time it was one that Tom Brady started, and then Mike Evans decided to defend him uh by running off the sidelines and shoving Marshawn Lattimore to the ground when he wasn't expecting it. Uh so Evans has been suspended uh, for week 3, he appealed it and the NFL said, "Nah, bro, you need to keep sitting there on the sidelines, so don't put him in your lineups." Uh and meanwhile for the Bucks, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones also didn't practice on Wednesday. At this point, I wouldn't expect Godwin to be out there for at least another week, and Julio is currently a mystery, but maybe he comes back. Uh, they also signed Cole Beasley this week, and it's Russell Gage and Prashad Perryman, and it's it's kind of like miserable zone for the wide receivers uh, in Tampa. Uh, a little bit of optimism for the next wide receiver, Michael, Michael Gallup, is, according to Mike McCarthy, going to see a, quote, full slate of practice reps this week and he should see some snaps on Monday night against the Giants. Uh, definitely don't put him in your lineups yet, but he's on the way back, so if he's still sitting on the waiver wires, go ahead and scoop him up and stash him now. Uh, his teammate, Dalton Schultz, a little less optimistic. He left Week Two's game against the Bengals with a knee injury. The severity is currently still unknown, uh, but Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones are both somehow optimistic, saying that it isn't all that serious, and his status is in doubt for Monday night, but probably not much further than that. Uh, one From 149er at the beginning of the news to another, Ty Davis-Price, the 49ers rookie running back, has a high ankle sprain and will be out a few weeks. Uh, so they signed Marlon Mack to the active roster off the practice squad, uh, and they need more backup running backs in San Fran because apparently their team likes to give a new injury to somebody else every week. So, Marlon, keep your head on a swivel. Watch out. Gabe Davis is the next player that we're going to talk about. He didn't play in the Bills' Monday night game, uh, the Monday night thrashing of the Titans. They did not need Gabe Davis. All they needed was Stephon Diggs. Uh, Gabe Davis got in a limited session on Wednesday, so keep an eye on the practice reports for him Hopefully he can come back this week, but I still haven't quite seen the severity of his injury. Uh, Michael Pittman is another player in the same category. Um, he was added to the injury report late in the week with a quad injury and apparently has made some good progress and has a chance to play. 
uh, and got an unlimited practice on Wednesday, but still a little bit unclear about that one. Um, then we have Jerry Judy, another wide receiver whose status is in doubt. He left week two's game against the Texans in the first quarter with a chest injury and never came back. He didn't practice, though, on Wednesday, but they said his status is now day-to-day, so it's tough to, to tell if he's going to play on Sunday. Um, and really, you know, Nick, if you think about it, everyone's day-to-day, aren't we? Um, <laughs> sound a little Kyle Shanahan-y there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to guarantee if anyone will be here by Saturday. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thank you for getting my reference. Uh, and then the last two players here, uh, just to mention that Zach Wilson has already been ruled out for week three, uh, but is making progress. So one more week for Joe Flacco, who is the quarterback with the highest pass attempts in all of football this time. Uh, he will play against my Bengals. And last but not least, James Connor left the game with an ankle injury this past week, but apparently he did practice on Wednesday and it doesn't appear to be serious. If he is out for some reason, Daryl Williams took the majority of the snaps after he left and not Eno Benjamin. And that is that. (laughs) Um, So to start off our game previews now, um, we're going to talk about a team that incredibly we haven't really talked about in depth yet, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 2-0 um, and they are taking on the Indianapolis Colts, who are 0-1-1 and are looking really rough. Rough. Um, so it is a 50.5 uh, over under, and the Chiefs are favored by 5.5. Last week, the Chiefs eked out a win against the Chargers, 27-24. Um, so obviously Mahomes is just playing out of his mind right now has seven touchdowns to no interceptions on the year averaging just under a shade under 300 yards you are starting him as an elite quarterback one and are not particularly worried about it um a lot of these other players outside of travis kelsey who uh, again elite tight end one um you're playing him with no real qualms um a lot of these other ones are a little bit tougher to figure out, though. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has had a nice season so far. He's had two or he's had double digit performances in both of the first two games. But the volume is a, li- a little weird. Um, just 15 total rushes in the first two games. Um And while he has picked up his receiving work a little bit, he's averaging something wild, like seven and a half yards per carry right now. And that efficiency is obviously not going to carry on all the way through the rest of the season. Um, So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit worried about Edwards Alaire's utilization so far. It's hard to say that either of the backups, that are getting significant snaps uh, in Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco are massive threats to him. Uh, They're certainly not running ahead of him, but they are, I think taking significant work away. um, That makes me a little bit worried about his volume moving forward. 
Um, I think in my opinion, if you can trade away Clyde, it might be worth a shot to trade him coming off of these consecutive, uh, these consecutive double digit performances. Yeah. I, as somebody that drafted Clyde, I actually appreciate the advice (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because I, I'm really unsure what to do. I mean, and I drafted him in our, you know, main league of record where I went really uh, heavy on running backs. I have Kamara and Aaron Jones and Clyde and Daryl Henderson and Brees Hall. Um, And I just really don't know what to do with Clyde because he's been my most consistent running back so far. But I really, his rush attempts have been super low. I mean, seven rush Mm -hmm. attempts and eight rush attempts, but he's gotten in the end zone in week one. Uh, and had those three catches he got in the end zone twice on three catches Uh, and then this past week had those four targets and the other thing is that watching the game he looks fantastic and he looks Mm -hmm. like the best running back on the team by a mile Uh, but yeah the utilization is just so low that you feel like he's got to have some down games and so maybe you could flip him for one of those underperforming stud running backs that are real like true you know workhorse dominators uh and i'll talk about that a little bit in the speed round later but i really i don't know if ceh is somebody that i want to hold because i found something good or get rid of because the utilization is low and it's eventually gonna fall off yeah i do have him in one league as well um i did not target him very often. So I took him in a work league where the value was just too good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, to have single digit touch or carries in both of the first two games and single digit uh, or, well, I guess he had double digit opportunities this last game, but we know certainly that, Um, One of the more interesting stats that I've learned recently is that the vast, vast majority of fantasy relevant running backs have at least 12 carries in week one. Um, Obviously, he came nowhere close to that, but was really fortunate and scored multiple touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I think that it's definitely something that needs to be monitored and I would certainly feel okay trying to flip him right now while people are able to just look at his touches and be like, Oh, or look at the points, maybe not necessarily realize that the opportunities are so low and um, say, yeah, he's, he's worth a, worth a trade. Um, I think that that's certainly something that, you might be able to sneak in there and it, I think that it could work. So uh, yeah, Clyde is a really weird case study this, this season so far. Um, if you're not able to flip him, hopefully the opportunities go up. Yeah. I um, think uh, I just want to give a, an example of maybe another player that has had a similar production, but on uh very different opportunities uh, and that's joe mixon clyde uh, mm-hmm. as far as fantasy points in a ppr league 22 points week one 15 points week two whereas uh, and on these you know amount of touches that we talked about and joe mixon 21 points week one 
11 points week two. But in week one, he had 27 rush attempts and nine (laughs) targets. So 38 opportunities. And week two, he had 19 rush attempts and four targets. So 23 opportunities. Essentially the same amount of production. So I doubt that there's any scenario where somebody would just do a one-for-one trade of CEH for Joe Mixon. But maybe that's a case where you could do a trade that includes CEH to go get a guy like Joe Mixon and then maybe swap wide receivers or you know another player mm-hmm. in a way as well. Uh, and they would see it as pretty much a one-for-one trade, but from an opportunity standpoint, it's wildly different. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on to the wide receivers, we kind of had some back and forth a couple episodes ago about whether Juju was the wide receiver to roster or uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling. And uh, so far it's been mixed and kind of the answer is just Travis Kelsey as it <laughs> usually is. Yep. Um, now I don't, as we get more data, maybe this is not the case, but they have identical targets through two games. Um, and, uh, while Juju does have more catches and yards, but we're not talking about a whole lot here. It's 11 targets, uh, for the two of them. Uh, so yeah, it's really, it's strange. I, and throw in that McCall Hardman has 10 targets. So, uh, and is the only one of the, of the trio with a touchdown. So it's hard to recommend any of them. Uh, I think that if you have a guy that you want to take a shot on, it's worth it, but I would not really expect a whole lot. Um, and outside of Travis Kelsey, I think I'm probably avoiding this receiving core where possible because there's just too much uncertainty and it's too evenly balanced right now. And not even though Patrick Mahomes is uh, as usual, putting up ludicrous numbers, it's spread too thinly among the three players to really be worth starting them in a, a season long matchup. Yeah, I think that the the answer so far to our question of Juju or MVS is neither, like you said. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe maybe as that goes, that'll change. But uh, congratulations, we were both right. <laughs> we were both right, at least, that you don't want the other guy's guy. <laughs> um, so, Elijah, uh, talk about your secret favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, they... Hell, the Bengals... Gross- <laughs> They're gross, gross 40 and a half point over under. With how the Bengals have been playing, they might just have to be my my unsecret favorite team. This is like, I mean, wow. I maybe maybe the Bengals will hear this. Maybe that offensive line will hear this podcast and be so heated about my criticism that they will actually try. Because so You know far, that Jameis also threw three interceptions this week, right? Yeah, but how many sacks? Joe Burrow is on pace for 111 sacks this season. That's pretty gross. That's (laughs) almost exactly double the 56 sacks that he led the league with last year. 
111 <laughs> sacks, Nick. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I. Mm. It's pretty rough. Ugh. Oh my goodness, it, it has been. We have lost to Mitchell Trubisky and Cooper Rush, and now we're about to play Joe Flacco. If we lose to Joe Flacco and the Jets, it's over. <laughs> Um. Anyways, like it's over for the season, or it's official that the New Orleans Saints are your real favorite team. No, they'll never be my real favorite team. I am a Cincinnati Bengals fan. You know, I got my poster signed by Andy and Gio Bernard right in front of my desk. Uh, a great, great for an audio medium. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not showing posters. the poster. I'm describing it with words. That's how we do it on audio. Uh. Yeah, anyways, uh, all criticism of everyone aside, um, we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints, who are 1-1, one one, who are at the Carolina Panthers. So my secret favorite team against your actual favorite team, uh, which of no, our... We, here's, we, don't talk, we don't talk about the Panthers. No, anymore. really quick, really quick. Which of our actual favorite teams is more disappointing so far through two games? The Bengals or your Panthers? I mean, the Bengals had actual expectations, so I think the Bengals have to be more disappointing. That's true. (laughs) Like (laughs) the Panthers, like were an edgy playoff pick once Baker came around, but I mean, the vast majority of people thought the team was going to be trash, and they've been trash so far. Uh, The Bengals played in the Super Bowl, like eight months ago yeah okay good point uh so yeah maybe we stop talking about that and we talk about my secret favorite from the saints. <laughs> uh so the new orleans saints are one and one they are playing at the carolina panthers who are zero and two this is a uh, just astonishing uh 40.5 point over under the Saints. it's not are... even the lowest over under of the teams you wanted to talk about this nope. week you picked some some dogs this week <laughs> well i picked some teams that are kind of interesting and it looks like they might suck um but the saints are favored by three on the road if that tells you anything about the carolina panthers last week the saints lost to the bucks 20 to 10 this game totally derailed when the refs decided to be bucks fans and that was uh that was a time uh so Jameis winston with i think four fractures in his back played last week and through three interceptions it was actually a pretty decently mistake free game for a while and then the fourth quarter derailed everything after that fight uh it was three to three in the fourth quarter and then it uh turned into 20 to 10 uh last week alvin Kamara was out um, oh i guess i should do some analysis instead of just reading stats don't play Jameis winston uh alvin Kamara was out last week and he has a rib issue uh he did return to practice today we record on Wednesdays so hopefully he will return to the field as well in week 3 because they desperately need him mark ingram played and got 10 carries and 60 yards did not pay off in daily where i started him and so we don't really need to talk about that too much if alan kamara starts you start him if mark ingram starts and alan kamara is not playing you still probably start mark ingram because the panthers are that bad uh, but what is really interesting is this wide receiver core and really including Juwan Johnson as a pass catcher because Michael Thomas has been 
really excellent so far through two games. Last week had another touchdown to go along with his two touchdowns in week one. Nine targets, six catches, 65 yards. The touchdown came very late in the game after the game was pretty much already over. So I appreciated that from him, but wasn't really part of the game plan. But he's just been a really stellar wide receiver so far. Looks like he's back. Hopefully he keeps it up. If you have Michael Thomas, you start him. Jarvis Landry had a really solid week one uh, where he had seven catches and over 100 yards. But then this past week, just uh, five targets, four catches, 25 yards. Not a very good game. I think Jarvis Landry is a matchup dependent flex when it looks like there might be a high scoring game. But those don't come too often because the Saints defense is really, really good. And Jameis Winston really, really sucks. Uh, But Chris Olave is the player that I'm actually here to talk about. Rookie wide receiver for the Saints. He had 13 targets this past week. Only five catches, 80 yards. He also had a fumble on the the last like long, deep pass that he caught. The, the first one that he caught all game, he fumbled it as he was stumbling to the ground and essentially ended the game for the Saints on that fumble. Um, but the dude had 320 air yards against the Bucks. So I... I haven't looked this up. I don't know if that's the most ever, but it feels like it might be the most ever because that is ridiculous. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I kept, as I was obviously watching this game, and the, they just kept taking, I mean, 13 targets, at least six or seven of those were deep targets, you know, 30 plus yards downfield, 20 plus yards downfield. And they kept just not connecting. One time, Chris Olave would break his route a little bit too far outside and Jameis would throw it a little bit too far inside or Jameis overthrew him a couple times. One of them ended up being an interception that was a target in the end zone. Uh, But Chris Olave kept being open and Jameis Winston was just barely missing him until that last one where he finally caught it and then fumbled. Uh, But 320 air yards is ridiculous. 13 targets is ridiculous. He was targeted on a ton of the routes that he ran And I think that if they can just clean that up a little bit, Chris Olave has the potential to be a second half or even starting after this first quarter of the season as a real stud wide receiver for fantasy, matching Michael Thomas's numbers in the same way that the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams dynamic had been for the beginning of Mike Williams career, where Chris Olave is just going to be a burner, kind of boomer bust, but he can have huge games. Uh, So I'm really interested in him going forward. And he's on waivers in a lot of redraft leagues. So I think he is a pretty interesting player to target. To go along with Jawan Johnson, we kind of chuckled at Jawan Johnson a couple weeks ago. uh, And he was in a speed round moment for me. Seven targets, four catches, 40 yards. At the tight end position, that eight points Mm. is... Pretty solid. Uh, So (laughs) I think he's okay for uh, picking up off your waiver wire and starting here and there. And I don't think the Panthers are really going to be able to stop the Saints very much in this matchup. But there's not going to be a ton of points to go around. But the Saints do have the pieces to just blow out the Panthers. Yeah, all that said, I... I think, and now I've recommended the Panthers DST all year so far, and they haven't really come through um, despite the fairly low scoring games they've been in, but 
don't forget they've played against Jameis Winston two times a year for every year of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, they essentially uh, borderline ended his Bucks career with like a f- five or six turnover game uh, in London, I think. Uh, and there's, I, I think the, if you were to play the Panthers defense in fantasy, there's, there's worse ideas than to play it against Jameis Winston with a broken back. So yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I, I, I think that there's obvious turnover potential for the Panthers defense and as well as sack opportunities. Uh, if Kamara is out again, uh, the matchup is just even juicier. So uh, yeah, they obviously haven't come through much this year, but or so far this year, but I think that they do have a chance to put up some points. Uh, and if you like start them in daily, they'll be uh, borderline free for a, <laughs> for a fantasy defense. So, uh, you know, save some money, go get some better players to fill out your lineup that have better shots, of, uh, better shots at hitting. Um, We are going to take a quick ad break, and then I'll be back on the other side to preview the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And we're back. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. We will be talking about both of these teams today. It is a 47 and a half point over under and the Chargers are favored by seven. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence uh, is probably still not quite on the starting radar outside of a quarterback two yet. Uh, did have a relatively nice game completed 25 of 30 passes for 235 yards and two touchdowns versus no interceptions the ceiling is still i think a little low for him as is the floor um so not looking to necessarily start him except in the deepest of formats right now um the rest of the pieces are are a little bit interesting though um coming off of i think james robinson had an achilles tear yep um he uh a lot of the expectation was that travis Etienne would be the main running back uh that said but it's actually been just james robinson just eating up the majority of opportunities uh he's scored three touchdowns already uh, was very inefficient this past week with um, 23 carries for 64 yards, but still had 23 carries. Uh, took just nine for Travis Etienne. Um, and I, I do think that as long as the volume continues, uh, Robinson is going to continue to be a solid flex or even like probably back end running back two option um 
while ETN is a much more risky flex. So James Robinson had those 23 carries, like you mentioned, and for 64 yards, and one of those carries was like a 37-yard touchdown. (laughs) So he essentially averaged like (laughs) 1.2 yards per carry outside of that run. But on that run, he looked electric. Uh, Very hard to figure out like what to do with those efficiency numbers. Maybe it's just the line is not it's blocking. It's the opposite well. of Clyde Edwards Alaire. The Clyde Edwards Alaire's efficiency numbers yeah. are through the roof right now. Real. Um, and James Robinson's are not. Who would you rather have? Um... <laughs> I will say Clyde. Okay, because he's attached to the more talented offense. He's clearly the best running back in that group, whereas Travis Etienne, at least could like if given the opportunity, could probably challenge Robinson in that respect. Um, has the draft capital of, over his uh his teammates versus the opposite being true in Jacksonville has less injury concern than Robinson coming off a torn Achilles. So the volume is really nice though for James Robinson. And that's, that's the kind of the one holdup, but I guess I would say Clyde fantasy is so weird, isn't it? Oh, why do we play this? <laughs> um, it's at least less. Is it less frustrating than chess, though? I think that's probably the case. I guess uh, it's not always your fault when you lose in fantasy. Yeah. I don't know. There's part of the uh, in chess, though. I, I do feel like you can at least point to yourself at you like you. There's only yourself to blame. Right. That's if what that I'm makes saying. sense. So it's easier uh, in fantasy to to survive the losses if you can blame it on professional athletes and not your own. Okay. Uh, I was going to say that, like, it, it's easier in fantasy football because, or in, in chess because you're like, oh, well, I just need to get better. Hmm. Versus in fantasy football, you can do everything right. Yeah. And then lose to somebody you know, in your like work someone <laughs> someone fields a roster like that was going around the internet where they had like Dak score like two points uh-huh. and, and like all these all uh, this just beautiful roster that scored thirty one points. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, so it's a I, yeah. Game. It's, our weird chess tangent what what's what is less frustrating this or pokemon go uh man that that's really tough i i would say that um i would say that fantasy football is mm, yeah i i couldn't tell you our hobbies are frustrating why don't we play (laughs) hobbies that are less annoying Fantasy football fans are just gluttons for punishment, I think. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Robinson is, I, I think, continues to be a, an RB2 until the volume goes away. 
uh etn borderline flex but uh well i mean he did have 12 opportunities this last week which is about what you can want from a a team's running back too that is in starting or flex contention so i think i'm comfortable flexing etn with Mm -hmm. the expectation that maybe he picks it up but you didn't really draft him like hoping that he'd be a flex you probably drafted him to be your solid rb2 it's not Not quite there yet um christian kirk though has just been on a tear um, I think he actually did. He only have does he only have two touchdowns on the season, or does did he score in week one too? Uh, I'll check while you're talking. Okay, um, but regardless of what happened, I, he had twelve targets in week one, um, two t- two touchdowns this week. Uh, I he he's not in my opinion a wide receiver one by any stretch but he i think is a wide receiver two with upside at the moment yeah so i did find so just the 12 targets for 117 yards and no touchdowns in week one uh so just the two touchdowns this last week but i actually kind of i want to push back a little bit on that wide receiver one point I think, I mean, up up to this point in the season, he has been a wide receiver one. Obviously, it's a small sample size. I think mm. it'll be really interesting to see what happens the next two weeks when he plays secondaries that have some more talent in the Chargers and then in Philadelphia, who had Darius Slay just you know shut down Justin Jefferson this last week. So it'll be interesting to see if defenses are targeting him more with talent that can. Um, and maybe you were going to talk about this in your analysis, and I'm stealing it right now. Um, but Christian Kirk so far, he has been way better than I thought he'd be like, yeah, way better. I with the money there was there. I think it's not unfair to say that there was some Kenny Galladay potential of Mm -hmm. him just getting the large check on a bad team and being a bust. But so far he has absolutely balled out and, uh, yeah, I think if you drafted him, I don't I don't know where he was. I don't remember exactly where he was going. Certainly outside of the top six rounds. Yeah, um, I think you're very happy with the performance so far. And yeah, I, I I don't think he has season long wide receiver one potential. Um, and even if he finishes there, I don't necessarily view him as a wide receiver one play. But I think that. So, again as a wide receiver to where you got him you're very very happy um most of these other receiving options uh are probably not really worth rostering right now between players such as marvin jones and zay jones uh the only exception has been evan ingram who speaking of tight ends that have kind of exceeded expectations a little bit and at least have entered into uh streamable uh streaming consideration uh evan ingram had eight targets this past week for seven receptions and 46 yards um he has caught all but one of his targets on the year uh 
and has kind of been fine for a like top 15 ish uh, fantasy tight end, which I mean, outside after the after the first three, they're all just kind of top 15 fantasy tight ends. So uh, if we saw last year that the Jaguars kind of liked the tight end position with Dan Arnold doing well, even though he joined the team mid season. And so I, I think that Evan Ingram has entered that consideration as well. Um, so if you are needing an option, I don't think he is an awful one in the right matchups. Yeah, I'd agree with that one. I think that it, he was a guy coming into the year that I had uh, clicked that little star on Yahoo and added to my watch list, uh, and he's oh, done. I had e- I had very low expectations. So, <laughs> well, uh, he has essentially he has still exceeded my expectations, uh, but I thought that this could have been possible. So stream him if you want. He has 74 yards. So we're yeah. like, we're not like this could be possible is like, he's not Cole Komet disaster level. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Let's not talk about Cole Komet anymore. Uh, anything else you want to say about the, the Jags? Um, no, I think that was all of it. So how about, um, Instead of the Cole Komet disaster, how about this 39-point over-under disaster that we're about to talk about? Yeah, Uh, so the undefeated New York Giants are playing at home against the Dallas Cowboys, who are 1-1 on Monday Night Football. As you alluded to, a 39-point over-under, and the Giants are favored by one point. That's really gross. Uh, Yeah. This is just super gross. But I did think that the Giants were pretty interesting as a team that nobody expected to be tied for the division lead right now at 2-0. and So last week, they beat your beloved Panthers 19-16 to in a truly thrilling effort. And Kenny Galladay is the first player that I want to talk about because he had a 0-for-0-for-0-for-0 line on two snaps and reportedly cleaned out his locker and was gone before reporters entered the locker room after the game. All the talk from the coaches since the game has been, it's a competition at wide receiver. We're going to keep rolling with the guys that are winning, and the other guys have to be ready as backups. Apparently, Galladay is losing that wide receiver competition to David Sills and Richie James, whoever they are. And Wandale Robinson has been hurt. Kadarius Toney only played 38% of the snaps. And like, yikes, Kenny Galladay. And yikes for the Giants. I don't remember who the baseball player was who had a contract where he was paid like for a decade after he retired. But I feel like Bobby Bonilla, I think it's yeah. like 30 years. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's what Kenny Galladay is doing to the Giants right now because nobody's going to trade for him and releasing him would cost them $31 million in dead cap over the next two seasons. So I guess they're just paying a buttload of money for this guy that used to 
be fairly dominant. I guess maybe he doesn't care anymore. I don't know about or, dominant, but certainly was... I did say fairly dominant, <laughs> not extremely. I don't know, man. I think <laughs> I, I think fairly dominant is a uh, is a generous... <laughs> okay. Fairly fair enough. Uh, uh, let's see. It looks like he, wa- he was, I guess I'll give you, wide receiver 9 in PPR in 2019. That's top um, 10 wide receiver. Wide, receive- wide receiver 3 in standard. I, I-, I think Ooh. that the big plays, though, are the low reception numbers compared to the yardage and touchdowns were kind of what I point to in my brain as far as his dominance during that stretch i don't know all i heard was wide receiver three so and he got a big bag <laughs> it's of money. standard which no <laughs> one plays um so obviously he's not that anymore because he was wide receiver zero uh well i guess that would be really really good so he was wide receiver 1000 this week i don't know tied with every other Joe Schmo that walks across the sidewalk in New he York. He had more City. receiving yards than Zeke. He did have more receiving yards than <laughs> Zeke. That's got to be the title of the episode this week. Um, so it looks like Daniel Jones doesn't like to pass to him. I mean, I guess he never had the opportunity to. Uh, he couldn't pass to Wandell Robinson. And so the person that he did pass to quite a bit was Sterling Shepard who, just like James Robinson, has proven Achilles tears wrong so far this season. In PPR leagues, he has had a pretty respectable first two weeks. This past week, 10 targets, 6 catches, only 34 yards, which is rough, but he had roughly 70 yards in the first game with a touchdown. So Sterling Shepard is somebody that's probably on most of your waiver wires that you could pick up and flex in a pinch or in a deep wide receiver league. I kind of like, and I think that Wandale Robinson, who is coming back eventually from injury is somebody that, you know, this, he is the, basically the only guy that this coaching staff drafted. And they just gave a bunch of speeches this week about their, how they're going to keep rolling their guys out there and play the ones that are going to give them the best chance. And they obviously thought that Wandale Robinson was worth a draft pick, even though they already had Kadarius Tony on the roster, who's basically the same exact dude, but Kadarius Tony is on the field or ready to play and only getting 38% of snaps. So I, I don't know what to do with all that, but Sterling Shepard's getting a buttload of targets. I think that Sterling Shepard's nickname should be fetch because you keep trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> Um, bless his heart he's always injured and elijah every single time is just i'm in (laughs) oh my goodness that is a fantastic that is by far the best nickname that you have ever come up with because (laughs) it is a relevant quote from something else and also it i mean he's playing catch like like you play fetch (laughs) He he goes and he fetches the football. I man, that is we we could stop the show now for the rest of history because we're never topping that nickname <laughs> that you just came up with. Uh, Fetch is playing well so far. That's all I gotta say about that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's on my dynasty roster. I'm probably starting him. Uh, and in Rejav, you can 
I, I guess Nick doesn't believe it, but uh, I think he's, <laughs> he's just be. always hurt. Like, and I mean, he's gotten good. He's gotten good production so far, but and obviously, ten targets is really nice. Mm-hmm. Thirty-four yards. Yeah, that's not on good. ten targets. <laughs> that that's like James Robinson efficiency <laughs> right there. So, yeah, I'm just not excited about it right now, and another injury i hope it's not but it uh, another injury is much kind of like mostert and some of these other guys that i've just been kind of down on over the years because they're always hurt i just feel like it's just right around the corner and i hate it because he is someone that i think has a lot of talent he's just never on the field well he is right now and yes. uh i do uh, fetch is gonna Fetch is going to feast. This, I mean, he's not going to feast. He's probably going to get thrown the ball a lot. The only player that you are starting with real confidence on this team is Saquon is Barkley. Richie James. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> nope. It is Saquon Barkley, uh, who looks like pre-injury Saquon Barkley didn't have as good a game this last week as he did with his like 30-plus point performance in week one. But he had 25 opportunities and is just the only thing that is moving this offense along. He had, you know, it's rare that this happens, but Saquon had half the total yards that Daniel Jones did. And Daniel Jones plays quarterback. So I I really think you can start Saquon Barkley. And if he's somebody that you can pick up in a trade, I doubt he is. But I would rather have Saquon than like almost any running back right now just because he's getting the opportunity and he looks so good on the field. Even coming off of his week one performance, there were a bunch of analysts that were saying that he was their running back three for the rest of the year. Yeah. So as a player that you probably got in the late second, I think you have to be ecstatic that, yeah, so far the volume and the production have been really, really nice so far. Um, and uh, yeah, continue to play him with confidence moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we also have real human being Daniel Bellinger in this doc who got one pass for him. I mean, I have to put a tight end. This is just <laughs> that uh-huh. just happens to be the tight end of the New York Giants. Yeah, well, he caught one pass for 16 yards and a touchdown, which means he he almost scored as many points as Evan Ingram did with his seven receptions last week. So I guess, I don't know. Don't start Daniel Bellinger. It, it's no, Saquon. He, Daniel Bellinger is not on even rosterable. It is not on dynasty roster yeah. consideration right now. It's Saquon and Fetch. But it felt weird else. to not list a tight end. Did you notice I put tight end? In I, I don't know if I've ever put the position of the player in the show doc because I generally just believe that you know. Yeah. yeah. But I knew that I watched the game, meaning I watched him score this touchdown. Yeah. Did not really remember who he was. Man. Well, I appreciated that because, yeah, I, I wouldn't have known. It, he sounds like a, a baseball player. Isn't there a Bellinger baseball player? Cody Bellinger? Asking, asking the wrong dude. Tony Bellinger? I think it's Cody Bellinger, maybe. Uh, any baseball fans out there, 
uh, blow us up on Twitter for our hate of baseball. Anyways, we sh- we've talked about the Giants for way too long. Saquon and Fetch and nobody else. Uh, let's hear about the Chargers. So the Chargers um, are taking on the Jaguars. We sort of previewed this already before. Um, they lost to the Chiefs, who we also talked about, 27-24. Um, Herbert is obviously banged up. I think he's got like a broken rib or something. He he was in a lot of pain. A rib cartilage injury. Yes, so he is in a lot of pain. I don't think he's expected to miss any time but he definitely did not look his best at points during the game so uh, there is a little bit of hesitancy this week uh you know regarding his health and effectiveness um i guess it if you're I, i would certainly not drop justin herbert ever but I guess it just depends on what the reports are coming out. And it's less of me worried about him missing time and more about him just being effective. We saw him uh, be able to put together a really nice touchdown pass. But, you know, if that's one play that he was able to to put together uh, uh, versus an entire game, um so I'm I did I don't super know the all the reports of his health this going into this week, um, but I don't think I would certainly play him in daily this week. No, I mean certainly not in daily. Uh, Justin Herbert, just to give a little bit more information about the injury here, it is like I said, a rib cartilage injury. Uh, so fractured rib cartilage, which essentially, you know, it's not a broken bone. Uh, you know, it's in between the ribs, I guess. Um, and it just looked so stinking painful. Um, but he did practice in a limited fashion on Wednesday and he didn't leave the game. So there wasn't mm-hmm. a huge concern about further injury i guess but it was just so wild to see him on that third down play as they were trying to come back not be able to run two yards or even like twist his body to throw the ball out of bounds but then on the next play he throws a 40 yard dime so that really speaks to his toughness and also speaks to the fact that he might have some limitations over these next couple weeks definitely not a daily play and we saw the line for this game as we were talking about before the show mm-hmm. move like three and a half points. And I think it's probably just hedging on whether or not Herbert plays, but it does. I mean, he is again, he's day to day, just like we all are, but I think he probably plays this week, although probably a down week, but I mean, you're not going to pick up a streamer to start over Justin Herbert. Are you like Jared Goff or Justin <sighs> Herbert? Um, Justin Herbert, I, I think I, the best streaming candidate, unfortunately, this week is Wentz. The matchup isn't fantastic, um, but he has at least shown that he has a ceiling in this offense with these really nice weapons around him. Um, he's probably the only streaming option I'm really looking at, um, 
over Herbert. Again, all all this depends on practice reports on various things. I it, it's really hard to tell what what to do with Herbert without more information that we'll get for the rest of the week. And mm-hmm. even then it might not be super obvious what to do. Um so yeah, I'm Wentz would probably be again the only one that I'm uh, on that's on waivers that I'm looking at. I, Goff is no, that's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Goff is not in serious consideration for me uh, at any point. So <laughs> um, I'm just gonna. Pu- I was gonna pull up some rankings here to see where some other sites have him, even with knowing the injury news i i he's still like top five on fantasy footballers uh mm-hmm. on their rankings um if maybe somehow kirk cousins is on waivers he would be an obvious pivot um i don't know cousins roster percentage off the top of my head i'm guessing it's not as high as it could be but he is actually in this range of he's actually in the range of these players that um is uh, like a potentially elite play um i'm still yeah, starting say, justin herbert if you got justin herbert i think you're starting him over anybody that you could realistically pick up okay I think that's probably fair. I, I'm I'm just I don't have to be excited about it. Oh yeah, I'm nervous about it too. And I think I'm even more nervous for the rest of the options on the team this week if he is gonna be hurt like that. Including number one receiving option, Gerald Everett. Yeah. Who is and this is true, leading a team with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler in receiving yards. Um, Who does his, li- his line is actually kind of eerily similar to Mike Williams. Um, they have the exact same number of targets. Mike Williams has one more catch and two fewer yards for the exact same number of touchdowns. Um Everett is the tight end four on the year and is still unrostered in 23% of leagues. So if you are in tight end trouble, like maybe you have George Kittle problems with him being injured or what, you know, various other, I mean, tight ends, as we know, are a hellscape. So... Gerald Everett might still be on waivers for you and is probably worth a look if you're struggling at tight end. Um, I know that you're, you were wanting to talk uh, Austin Eckler as a buy low candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, his efficiency has obviously been uh, inconsistent so far. Um just 39 yards on 14 rushes this past week did chip in nine catches for 55 yards, but just uh, 75 yards on 28 total rushes so far this year. Um, 
what so obviously if you're thinking of Eckler as a buy low candidate you're thinking that he's going to bounce back right yeah absolutely I mean he's right now he was drafted in a lot of spots as like the running back three and so far this season he's the running back 13 and so a guy like we were talking about CEH who is the running back five on the season so far if you could flip CEH plus a piece for Austin Eckler I feel like you would do that in a heartbeat right yeah, I think so. Um, the touchdown numbers that he scored last year haven't been there. And uh, again, the efficiency hasn't been great, but he still is attached to a great uh, a great offense. I mean, theoretically, assuming Justin Herbert is healthy. And the re- certainly the receiving work and the lack of serious concerns from Joshua Kelly and Sony Michelle, I think make him the clear target in a scenario like that. Yeah. So that I think is, is at least something to consider. We'll talk about it in the speed round, but I think that CEH is somebody him plus a piece. It might feel like you're overpaying, but on the season, these might be Austin Eckler's two worst games of the year. Hopefully he is getting older, um, which is kind of my only real concern. You know, he's the same age as Saquon. <laughs> <It's ludicrous>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 20, like he's still 27. So that's still very much peak, uh, mm-hmm. peak running back age. So, yeah, I, I think that him versus Clyde, I would take him. Um Mike Williams is probably if Keenan Allen is back, I would say a top end wide receiver two with wide receiver one overall upside. If he, if Keenan Allen is out again, um, is a back end wide receiver one with wide receiver one <laughs> overall upside. Um, Again, all of this hedging on also Justin Herbert's health. Uh, but you know, Mike Williams is always going to be a little boomer bust. Um, we saw just him be an absolute bust the first week uh, with Keenan Allen in the lineup and then uh, explode this past week with eight for 113 and one. It's just the Mike Williams experience. I wish he was more consistent, but these boom games are potentially weak winning games. And uh, yeah, he's has certainly the potential each and every week to be the top wide receiver in fantasy for the kind of more uh, ancillary wide receivers. Josh Palmer had a pretty decent target game. Um, with eight targets that does kind of move him to the fringes of dinner roll consideration. Uh, Deandre Carter has also had while fewer targets, some interesting production. He had 55 yards and a touchdown this past week also had four targets the week before. Um, and I, I'm, trying to do math here like <laughs> 60 yards 60 ish yards mm-hmm. um 
so both of those players are sort of on monitor status in redraft try to see if they continue to get some decent targets and uh opportunities but right now um you know you're starting the stars for the chargers and that includes gerald everett gerald everett tight end star you're welcome (laughs) uh um Elijah, wrap us up with some Baltimore Ravens talk, unless you had some more Chargers thoughts. Nope, that's it. I I think we're going to speed along a little bit because we are running long in this one. Just to, to peel back the curtain a little bit, the, the ghost of Cole Komet has really been messing with our recording. This is our third time uh, stopping and starting it with various connectivity issues, hence a little bit of the longer episode here. So we're going to make the Ravens real short and sweet. They're one and one. Oh, hit go us ahead. up on hit us up on Twitter. If you could tell where the seams were. Yeah. Well, I, man, and tag Elijah directly <laughs> because he, it will be his fault at, the, <laughs> at that point. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, so Baltimore <laughs> Ravens, uh, one and one at the New England Patriots. Also one and one miserable 43 and a half point over under. And the Ravens are favored by two and a half on the road after they just blew a game against the Dolphins, losing 42 to 38 when they had won the game by a lot until they hadn't. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a great game, though. Four total touchdowns, over 400 total yards, super efficient. He's great, and I think he'll be great again this week. Kenyon Drake doesn't belong to on this dock uh six carries for eight yards uh leading rusher can or leading running back kenyan drake while jk dobbins is hurt yeah uh, eight yards is not good um and (laughs) jk dobbins is listed as week to week he got in a full practice today so maybe he comes back but i still think you can't start jk dobbins until after you see it uh i was right on my speed round mention that devin duvernay is a little bit fool's gold, even though he did have like a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, and that touchdown is going to count for folks, but only two targets in this game, whereas Rashad Bateman had seven for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And then Mark Andrews, you're starting every week, and Isaiah likely is getting towards a direction that you might be able to start him after this past game not a guy that you can start now uh but do keep an eye on it uh because he is on the fringes as a backup tight end actually but it's lamar jackson rashad bateman mark andrews and i'm not starting jk dobbins until after he's done it for a week but i think that this could be an interesting game where the ravens score a bunch again and the patriots aren't going to be able to put up too many points Coming into the season, Isaiah likely was getting talked about as the Ravens' third receiving option. Um, he didn't catch any of his four targets last week, but he still or the in week one, I mean, uh, but he still did get four targets, mm-hmm. which I mean, <laughs> that's just a tight end right there. <laughs> right. Um, so he's now received four and five targets. I, I think that, yeah, he is a 
tight uh, certainly a tight end two and a risky one right now but if mark andrews got hurt he enters a potentially elite Mm -hmm. amount of uh vacated targets and yeah he at worst appears to actually be the third receiving option on the team Devin duvernay again was kind of bad this week uh did catch some or still had nice yardage um for two catches but um only two targets and then demarcus robinson only two targets as well uh so likely does appear to be the third receiving option in admittedly a relatively low passing volume offense but is certainly an interesting player um, and someone to keep an eye on. So uh, we are going to end our show with our speed round. So we alluded to it a little bit earlier, uh, but we have some buy low candidates for big time running backs here. The three that I want to highlight here are Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Austin Eckler. I think that this may be the best spot all season to try to trade for these running backs that haven't performed very well. And you can send offers with running backs that have performed well early on bad offenses. So like we were, uh, CEH isn't the best example because obviously it's a good offense, but sending a CEH plus a wide receiver two type for Derrick Henry or for Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, especially if the team that has these players is 0-2 or struggling so far, I think you could pull off those trades. Uh, Other players that we've talked about today or just other players that have kind of overperformed so far, I'd say James Robinson, currently the RB6, Kareem Hunt, currently the RB10, Antonio Gibson, currently the RB11, who we know is going to have some competition in the backfield when Brian Robinson comes back. Miles Sanders, who's the running back 12, and even A.J. Dillon, who's the running back 15, who lots of people still like and is very involved in the offense. No matter what, I mean, unless Aaron Jones gets hurt, he's not going to have the type of workload that a Henry Cook or Eckler will. So I think those are players that are worth packaging for one of these top uh, running backs or somebody that's coming off of a big week two, like Tony Pollard, who is the RB three in week two or Damian Harris, who's the RB six in week two, or even David Montgomery, who's the RB 10 in week two, any of those players, plus maybe a wide receiver two type, I think are worth offering to the managers of those three aforementioned running back studs. Their upcoming schedules don't scare me for any of them. They're actually easier than what they've just seen. And their talent is undeniable. They are coming off, especially for Henry and Cook, pretty terrible, horrendous starts to the year. So their trade price will never be lower than it is right now. Last week, we talked about how Curtis Samuel could have maybe supplanted Terry McLaurin as the wide receiver one in Washington. Uh, Elijah seemed to be a little bit more open to that notion than I was, but we're getting closer after this past week. Uh, Samuel had another incredible game while McLaurin did have a fine game, but his seven targets only accounted for, um, targets on just 15% of his snaps. So, uh, targets per route, uh, targets per routes run 
have been a um, kind of a key stat that we've really been trying to look into more and emphasizing this year. And he, he just ran or he was just targeted on 15% of those routes, uh, which was the 17th worst number among wide receivers without at least 30 routes run. So, um, yeah, Samuel just keeps kind of looking better and better and is continues to produce uh, while Terry does. He did certainly pick it up this past week, but um, is still maybe not performing as well as he could. So. I still am not 100% uh, ready to say Curtis Samuel is the commander's wide receiver one, but yeah, we're getting much closer to me being comfortable with saying that. And I am just seeing that my next speed round person popped up with a groin injury on Wednesday. So Hayden Hurst uh, was who I was going to talk about Bengals tight end. I think he's quietly kind of on the streaming radar, but did pop up as a groin injury. So worth monitoring there he's in the same evan ingram sort of zone so i'm not going to spend too much time on him i'm going to skip down to my last one which i'm much more excited about and talk about garrett wilson who might just be the real deal jets rookie wide receiver in week two he played 61 percent of the snaps which was up from 49 percent in week one that number still isn't really great but it's obviously a big jump for just one week for a rookie and if we look a little closer through most of Wilson's missed snaps, those came on running plays, and he actually ran a route on 75% of the dropbacks for the team, which tied Corey Davis, who outperformed him in total snaps quite a bit, but was just out there running around on running plays. Uh, so he also, Garrett Wilson, that is, had a whopping 32% target share, and he was number six on the week in week two in that targets per route run stat that Nick just talked about here, receiving a target on 39% of his routes. And also, you know, he finished with a line of eight catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns. I am a little nervous about the incoming Zach Wilson effect in week four, but the talent is undeniable. Uh, And also they threw the ball on 69% of their place, which is pretty nice. So I think that Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson might just be the real deal. Um, and finally, last speed round item. Um, while I was planning this topic, um, my intention was to say that I wasn't panicking about Rashad Penny. As I was, as I was kind of compiling my thoughts, I decided that I was making this uh, item that I was panicking about Rashad Penny. So Travis Homer outsnapped him this week. Um, although, in fairness, the, uh, Homer also outsnapped Ken Walker, and uh, the Seahawks only attempted twelve rushing attempts. Uh, Homer. Walker and Penny had identical touch numbers this week, um, which also coincided with Ken Walker's debut. And the offense is lackluster enough to where I could definitely see uh, similar pass heavy game scripts in a bunch of games this year. 
it's looking like Homer is going to be the clear passing down back. Um, so I am really at this point not worried or not excited about Penny's upside and might be looking to try to make a trade while I can. Um, and uh, unless you have anything else, any a, a penny for your thoughts. No. <laughs> um otherwise that is our show i'm nick luciano and you can follow me on twitter at nick g luciano and i'm elijah motika you can follow me on twitter at elijah motika and be sure to follow the show on twitter as well at 25 yLFF and rate and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts once again thanks for listening and we will see you 25 yards Thank you for listening to 25 Yards Later, Sports Obsesses Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network. Audio editing by Mitch Proctor and music by Elijah Motika.